Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me today. It really is a pleasure to have you here. My guest today is Andrea Rees. Andrea is a mixed media artist and creativity coach from East Coromel in New South Wales, and she's a mum of two boys. Originally from Vancouver in Canada, Andrea left for Australia at the age of 20 to study mixed media, her main mediums being photography, painting, drawing and ceramics. After graduating, Andrea spent four years in advertising in account management. After realising it was not filling her creative cup enough, Andrea did further study and became a high school art teacher. After her second son was born, health concerns meant the ongoing level of support he needed guided Andrea to make the decision to return to her art and the next phase of her life began. Andrea is also a coach for mums who are seeking and searching for their creativity. She wants to help and support mums who went through what she went through. Those who have lost themselves in motherhood, they can find themselves again through art and creativity. Today we chat about trusting our mothering instincts how the urging from a friend turned her life around after having her first child, and the joy Andrea takes from supporting other mums. And the ever popular topic, the value we as society place on art and the people who make it. This episode contains graphic descriptions of birth stories, birth trauma, PTSD, and a childhood chromosome disorder. Welcome to the podcast today, Andrea. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're in Sydney. Yes. So um, your accent's not from Sydney. Where about you no. from? <laughs> um, so originally, I'm from Vancouver, Canada, uh-huh. um, and I've got an Australian father and a Canadian mum. Yes. Raised me in Vancouver, and then when I was 20, I took off and finished my um, degree of visual arts at Sydney Uni and just wanted to do something different so yeah that's it awesome (laughs) so you mentioned visual arts tell us um what you do what you create um so I'm a mixed media artist and I'm also a coach for mums who want to find their creativity Mm -hmm. um so my main medium is um photography and painting um, drawing and my major at uni was ceramics so I really okay. love ceramics but um, it's just a bit of a harder medium to work with when uh, you know you don't have the equipment and it's kind of um, like a three-stage process so 
yeah, yeah. it's a lot more a lot more things yeah, you need to do it. it's a little bit more <laughs> complex than just, um, that's why I think I've fallen um really into photography and stuff because it's much more accessible and mm -hmm. um, workable in motherhood yeah for sure yeah. so let's go back to the beginning how did you first get into all these different types of yeah. creation um oh uh, I guess um just through high school and um my parents put me in ceramics from the age of 10 just uh -huh. in our neighborhood and yeah. um, there's a lady who's doing it out of her garage a mum um and uh yeah and I did some workshops like a raku course and stuff like that when I was young just loved clay uh and then went through to um college and like a just before into uni and um and yeah you you do your foundational year where you um kind of have a, a try of everything and yeah I just really loved photography and in high school I just loved the dark room so much mm -hmm. and um yeah I was really fortunate that we had one in our school and uh yeah I think it just sort of just developed it, it definitely was just a creative kid and like I remember days when it would be raining and mum would pull out like a paint by number set for me and I'd just work on it at the dining table and I just loved that sort of thing. So um yeah, just over the years it kind of um built and built and yeah. And then yeah. did my degree and um yeah, I just really I'm yeah, I loved ceramics at uh Sydney Uni. Um and yeah, it was just, it was just really unfortunate when I came out of there, I just had this concept in my head because I did clay that, well, I can't do it now because I don't have the money, I don't have the materials, I don't have the equipment, um, so what am I going to do? So I kind of, um, yeah, stepped away for it for many years, which was, now I look back and I think that's so sad, I lost so many years not being able to create. Yeah. But I think with everything you you create like everyone's creative and I think you you express your creativity somehow some way you know and I probably that's when I probably fell more into photography because it was accessible and I could use it all the time mm. yeah sort of decide you were going to make a life with art I suppose that it was going to be what you did um hmm. yeah I just kept coming back to it and um so after uni I because I had this idea in my head that I couldn't continue with ceramics I was like you know I'm an adult I'm in the big world like how am I going to make money and but I still obviously am interested in the arts so um, I went into advertising and I sort of fell into account management and it just was not filling my creative cup enough. It was very administrative and I liked working with the designers and stuff, but even a lot of them were really like not super, you know, they, they just said it was kind of making art for other people. It was what they wanted. Even the end, um, decision was like the client's choice obviously um, so mm -hmm. they could be really creative with it but it usually didn't fly so um 
Yeah. So yeah, so I left um, advertising after four years and then I decided to sort of, my husband and I were going to settle down. So we moved down this way from Sydney and then um, I studied at Wollongong Uni and did my graduate diploma of education. So I became a high school art teacher. So yeah, that was kind of always my dream. And like growing up, I always thought I would be a great teacher. And um, yeah, it was, I was kind of making that happen now. So I was at a good time in my life where you were going to start a family and stuff. And I thought this will be a a good job for me. Mm. Um, Yeah, but yeah, it's just funny. Like just reflecting back and thinking about it, that there's just such a, you know, an idea in society that, Art's just not like the pathway to go for stability and, you know, which is just so sad because now being on the other side of that, I think it's totally up to you. Like you're fully in control of making that happen. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's just, I think you just feel really unsupported along that journey in, Yeah. yeah, in society. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. A lot of conversations I've had lately with mums have been around the value, and I mean monetary value, that we place on the arts. Um, And a lot of it sort of has become really evident, I think, with the shutdowns through the COVID time. Mm -hmm. Like all the footy kept going and all the footy players were travelling across the borders, but there were all these um, restrictions. So no one could put on their shows, like, you know, visual artists or singers, performers, anything like that, all shut down. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Like every time you turn the radio on or the TV or, you know, you're watching a streaming service, everything's been made by a creator, by an artist. And it's like... I think it, I hope people sort of woke up to that. Yeah. <laughs> people on the yeah. other side of the, you know. Yeah, the value of the arts in society is yeah. actually so huge. And it really makes our, it, it allows us to connect. It really makes our world like so much more interesting than if, <laughs> yeah, it, like we went through a period of like two years where we just locked it down and mm. how sad. And people yeah. really, you know, struggled and suffered in that time. Like, just even just live music like I don't think I realized how much I enjoyed going to live music and I'm not like a huge live music um you know follower I don't kind of you know yeah (laughs) but um but I definitely yeah I enjoy it and when bands come to town and stuff or gigs um yeah play locally like I I I love live music so yeah 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 it's been an interesting time a bit of an eye opener yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. so you've got some children can you share a little yes. bit about them yes so i've got two boys um so yeah i think this is when my like i came around to my art and creativity was actually from motherhood so um my first boy is um five years old now so he's just started kindergarten this year so I feel like it's developing more and more as um they grow up but yeah he's off to school and um my youngest is three now so he's at daycare this year three days a week so he was two days last year um so yeah it's exciting because 
I'm just getting a little bit more time where I can do awesome stuff like this and <laughs> coaching and work on, you know, creating and art shows and stuff like that. So, um, mm. yeah, it's exciting what's developing. Yeah. So going back to um, when maybe when it wasn't so, I won't say exciting, but <laughs> didn't quite have so much time. How, how did you go sort of continuing to be able to create when you, oh, when you first had your child, first child? Yeah. So um, I guess, so with my first child, I had a, I had a great pregnancy. Like I thought I was going to be a really like I wasn't going to thrive as a pregnant woman, but I actually just absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed being pregnant my first time. Um, but then I ended up having a traumatic birth. I had a really bad birth. So um, that was just, I think, such a shock to my husband and I, what we went through um, and just such a poor start to parenthood. And then um, he had a lot of, complications like reflux and food intolerances and that sort of thing so we struggled like in that first year a lot just trying to survive um mm. and then I really lost myself I just thought the way to go with motherhood is like you devote your you know just you know devote yourself to your kid and um you know give them everything you've got and yeah I really depleted myself and lost my identity mm. and then it actually was a friend another um art teacher an artist and a teacher um who I studied with and we've worked together and stuff since that she kind of approached me and was like there's this art show coming up I really think like you should do it with me and I was just like oh no, I can't do that. Like, you know, I think it was like in three months time or something. And she was like, um, yeah, you, you know, you could easily, you know, work on this on the weekends or something. And she just talked to me realistically, like kind of make, making these excuses that she doesn't have children. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, you don't know because you don't have kids, you don't know what it's like. But what she was saying was making a lot of sense. Like I was just making these excuses that completely didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yeah, you're right. Actually, I could, I could go and photograph that. And then I could, you know, um, I could get it printed and then I could start to um, put it onto, it was plywood that we were working on. And um, I could probably lay that down and she offered to come and help me and everything. She was so supportive great friend yeah. and I thought yeah I can do this like I can totally do this and then I ended up yeah um just I was so blown away by the result I got that I was so excited by it and I felt amazing like through the process I was like this is me this is like I've found myself again and like mm. I was just yeah so happy that I was still mothering and but yet I was creating and being myself and I had this like wonderful balance and so after that I entered um another show and I ended up making I said oh I'll just do one artwork again and then I ended up producing four <laughs> and it was <laughs> so that was great I really loved it um yeah and then that's kind of been the way I've just continued and she's been there along beside me saying you know um what do you think about this like should we enter this again and yeah she's been such a wonderful friend
fell pregnant again, we kind of got to a stage where we felt like things were manageable and easier and, um, and, uh, yeah, we, our son was kind of at the age where we wanted to add our second child. We wanted to have two kids. So, um, we had our second child that pregnancy was okay. Um, not as easy as the first, but it was okay. Birth was completely controlled, planned Caesar, because we were just so um, terrified of mm-hmm. something happening again. Um, but then uh, probably three months after he was born, we started realizing that he had a lot of complications, health concerns and stuff, and he wasn't thriving. And it was so confusing and really, really difficult time. And basically it went on and on every month. There was something new going on. Um, something new popped up that wasn't good. And um, yeah, I kind of had seen so many specialists and doctors and talked to so many people and everyone kept telling me to, you know, stop worrying and that you're, you know, he'll, he'll catch up because he was delayed and stuff. And all these red flags that were going off they were saying don't worry about it you know it's nothing nothing severe or anything and anyway by a year and a half a neurologist said to me you've kind of exhausted every avenue and do you want to do genetic testing and I said yes I want to do genetic testing if that you know confirms anything and Mm -hmm. so sure enough um it came back that he's got a chromosome disorder so um yeah that was kind of like a huge relief, a bit, you know, difficult as well, but um, we finally had an answer to what Mm. was going on. Um, And yeah, so he's got, um, he's got some difficulties physically and um, mentally and um, like growth wise and stuff like that. So yeah, it just kind of, then I kind of had all my answers and I knew what I was dealing with, what I was working with and going, Mm. okay, this is going to change now because I don't think like I'd returned to teaching um, after having my first and in, in between there, I was also starting to teach art workshops and stuff with a, um, a company locally here called makeshift creative. So they um, yeah. Connect like creative people in the community with the community And so I was teaching art workshops and I was entering art exhibitions and getting back into my art while raising my first son. Um, And then I returned to work, had Mm -hmm. my second son, and then I just could not get back to work. And I was like, everyone kept saying, you know, when are you going to return? And I wasn't like coping very well. So people were kind of pushing that because they thought that might be good for me, I think, Mm -hmm. because I'm definitely someone who yeah, I was happy to go back to work at like eight months with my first. Um, So then, yeah, I just couldn't get back there. So then I decided, you know what, I've got to like rethink this because I think going back to a high school setting and trying to teach art as well as like my son is, he goes to, you know, um, art, um, sorry, speech therapy, uh, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, music therapy, we take him swimming. So he's in a lot of things and it's kind of like a part-time job in itself, just, um, working with him and stuff. So, um, yeah, supporting him. So I just couldn't kind of return to that. So that's when I was like, I'm going to start a business and 
art is definitely what I want to work in. Like it's definitely my passion. So yeah. Um, yeah. And it's taken me that in itself has been like a year long journey of just discovering what exactly is it that I want to do. So um, I've kind of come all the way around and said, I want to help like mums who went through what I went through, who kind of lost themselves in their motherhood. And um, I definitely feel like there needs to be more support for mums. And um, yeah, I'm just, um, I, I coach them and help them get back to their creativity, find their creativity, or even mums who've never been kind of creative and they see the benefit in it because it's yeah. so important. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That is so yeah. great. Yeah. I love that so much. <laughs> that was very long-winded, but. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's all good. No, I, yeah. I think that's just so wonderful because you're right. There isn't, there isn't anyone out there. I mean, you are now, but there's no one out there <laughs> saying, I mean, like your friend said to you, like, it, there's yep. no, like, it's not a formal thing that people go, right. Okay. So this is what happened, but now you can do this and have you thought about this or, or tried yep. this or, yep. you know, you're essentially taking on that role of the person that can, and, and because you've got that, you know, this perspective yourself, you know, how hard it is. You can sort yep. of see all the, the barriers, I suppose, Exactly. Um, and then just break them down and go nah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so a lot of work. my a lot of my coaching is actually um like it's it's uh it works on your thoughts it's not um it's not strategy like you should be doing this like I'm not going to tell you hey what worked for me was entering art exhibitions that got me back to my creativity it's actually like all mindsets and it's like even looking back at my uni days and when I left, like I literally put my art down and walked away from it for probably like 15 years, like like serious art making for so long of my life, which is now I just feel so sad that that happened. And it was just a mindset thing that I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I'm not at uni and I don't have a job to like support it or I can't be successful with this and make money from it which actually yeah. there's, there's definitely, you know, that's just a thought that I had that stopped me from creating, mm. which and is so sad. And that's the thing. If you had had someone like you yeah, yeah saying, yeah. Oh, actually have you? Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's why I feel like coaching is so important. And I, I meet with a coach. So after this, I meet with my coach on a Tuesday yeah. and um, yeah, I have an hour session with her and she um, helps me with my business and um and supporting those moms so yeah I think it's such important work it's it's really and it's all that kind of self-care work like you're investing back into yourself and like I yeah basically I create my art from you know the work I do with coaching and with like the, the work that my friend did for me you know that all came from that kind of work so yeah that's so important I think oh, that's so great honestly <laughs> that honestly it feels like in a way, like you received that help and you're sort of paying it forward That's now. To, yeah, yeah, you are. You're, you're giving other mums the tools that, yeah. that you were able to gain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just basically taking like what I've learned from my own experience and then, um, yeah, helping other mums with it who might be dealing with the same sort of thing to relate and stuff. So Yeah, absolutely. I feel like 
like it's really not there's not too much of it out there you know mm. like absolutely and it's kind of niche like it's a little bit um yeah specific but I think it's really important and I think um yeah there's lots of moms who and there's there's a whole range like there's moms who you know were quite successful before and and have lost themselves completely or there's you know moms who've never done it before and they're like wow I really like I love the benefits that she's getting from this like I might have a go at art or some that are like I used to love it in high school I've had lots come to art workshops and say you know I've I loved it in high school and I've just never gotten back to it again and Mm. I'd like to now in my motherhood like I would like to um, have a go again Yeah. yeah Is it, it really, it's so important to have something for yourself, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. away totally. from your role yeah. as a mother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's been a huge, like, realisation. Like, I've got a five-and-a-half-year-old. It's taken me five years to kind of come around to the fact that actually it's so important that my husband have his, he's a surfer, mm-hmm. and now he's just gotten really, after, at the end of COVID, he's gotten, we live um, between the ocean and the escarpment, and so he's gotten really into downhill mountain biking. Ah, right. So he's kind of got the two to use, um, you know, if one's not good or something like that. Yeah. Um, not appropriate. So, um, yeah. yeah, like, um, I think before I was very much like, you're a father now, you need to be a dad and be here, you know, 24-7 and devote everything to your children and actually... That just burns you out and then you're completely useless and that's not healthy for your kids either to see parents like that you know just yeah. and and upset and crank like you will burn out and then it will come out in other ways you know so yeah, absolutely it's just not yeah. healthy for a family unit to um just be kind of it'd be like in a relationship like just living and working and everything together and never having a break like you need that yeah. break to miss you know, the other person and then come back and be, you know, completely full and giving. Yeah, yeah. that's so true, isn't it? And that's yeah. the thing too, like if you've had, a lot of mums I've spoken to, they've been artistic their whole lives. Yeah. And even when they got married, one of my one of my previous guests, Sammy Lang, said to her husband just before they got married, um, you know, you know, this is what oh, I do. Yeah. I'm not going to all of a sudden start cleaning the house. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to change. And the same thing happens when you become a mom. It's not like all of a sudden you go, well, I'm going to forget all that thing, that thing that I loved yeah. my whole life. I'm not, yeah. I'm just, that part of me is gone now. Now I have to be yeah. a mom. You know, certainly for a portion of time, that might be the case because, you know, early, early babies, like yeah. on early babies, yeah. the first, you know, few Newborn. months, incredibly yeah. demanding. So yeah. Yeah, challenging to, to yeah. find even the time to, yeah. you know, sleep, let alone do something for yourself. But as, as time moves on, it's like that part of you is still there. It's just a matter of sort of getting back to it, I guess. Yeah. I, I think like she was so, I think, wow, because she was so emotionally mature at that, like at that time to be able to recognize that because I didn't, I was like, well, here I go. Like I'm into the next stage of my, my life and like, I'm becoming a mother and this is who I'm going to be now. Like, yeah, you mm-hmm. kind of, well, for me, it was a very confusing period where I just didn't know what I was doing or who I was. I felt like kind of, yeah, I was out of control. Life was happening to me, not like I wasn't in control of it kind of. So now I've realized that actually 
you can do whatever you want. You have full control of everything. And, um, but yeah, like, wow, for her that she's just been able to do that right from the get go. And she (laughs) made that a priority. Um, it's taken me like a long time to realize that and make it a priority for myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how it happens, isn't it? And I guess it, and it depends how you've grown up, what your, you know, your role modeling was like from your parents about, you know, what was, what value was placed on what, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're all so different, aren't we? Yeah. But I think it's so important to spend that time becoming conscious and aware of that and like figuring that out and realizing how that impacts you and yeah, recognizing your, your own individual, you know, upbringing and, and the person you've become, and then you're in full control of changing that and, and, uh, you know, controlling your future moving forward. So you can take that and then consciously choose like what you want to do yeah in your future yeah and raise your kids right yeah exactly that's the thing isn't it because they're watching like you know they're they're observing what's going on around them and yeah even at such a young age um and like you said before with you know if you're burnt out you know you start to get impatient and you you know your relationships suffer like the kids they see and feel all of it so oh yeah yeah it's so important isn't it yeah yeah So identity is a big thing mm-hmm. for yourself and for the mums you coach. Um, what about mum guilt? Is that something that sort of comes into it as well? That idea that mums shouldn't be doing something for themselves. They should be mums all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I thought about this and um, I think we all suffer from mum guilt, like must be in us innately, but I would say I probably, <laughs> I probably suffer it less than average. Like, I definitely, I'm constantly, yeah, looking for ways to, you know, get a break or that sort of thing. See, my husband, he works interstate every week. Yeah, right. He travels around Australia. And um, so there's like three nights of the week where I'm on my own. Um, luckily, I've got my parents. They've moved here from Canada eight years ago and they lived like five minutes up the road from me um I don't know how I would do this yeah without having my parents nearby they've been such great support um and through all like the medical journey we've been on with our our youngest and stuff so um yeah so um I'm always looking for like things that I can you know a weekend away or like a night away or like a workshop to attend or um yeah, where can I get go for like a float or like yeah, you know, a massage yeah. or just yeah. or yeah, bushwalk I can go and do or friends who I can catch up with, like ways that I can fill my cup. So I'm yeah, I feel like I don't have enough of that stuff. I'm I need to always that's like constant work. Um, is trying to make sure I'm taking a break. Um and when I get it, I like I'm out and I'm <laughs> I don't phone home and check in or say goodnight or anything like that. Like I'm like switched off. I'm enjoying it for as much as possible because 
yeah, I just know that when I'm back, you know, um, yeah, I'm, it's just all about mom, like 100%. So. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't tend to get too bad a mom guilt. I guess you kind of like, you kind of have moments where you look at it. Well, for me, I look at it like big picture and, you know, the time flies of kids growing up and you think, yeah, I guess you kind of reflect and say, you know, did I do enough of that? Or did I do enough of this? Or like, you know, did I, I missed out on that or something like that. So I think that mom guilt kind of creeps in and yeah, but I think, I don't know, I'm, I try to be pretty compassionate with myself and say like, you're doing a bloody good job and <laughs> you know, like cut yourself from slack. You've got a lot on your plate. So um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I feel for the moms, like that's, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. I feel for the moms who, that, that's my art, art workshops are a big part of that, of getting the moms out of their house. My yeah. art workshops are a minimum three hours. Cause I'm like, you need three hours. <laughs> Don't need an hour and a half, like to pop yeah. out. you know, you need three hours to walk out of home, to connect with other moms, other women, to really get into the art and relax and be, you know, mm. in the moment being mindful and like yeah just filling your cup for a good three hours and then returning home you know and that's healthy for the the carer who's on the other end to have that time with the kids too and for the mm -hmm. kids to have that time with the the other partner or carer you know to um yeah to 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 be take be taken care of by someone other than mom or mm. I think that's something we forget too it's like they they have relationships with other people yeah. They need to have the time to build on them as well. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe I'm saying really... that to justify it, but, <laughs> but it's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they need time with other people. <laughs> yeah. My boys are really good with everybody else. They go to other people. They, yeah, they happily have, you know, they'll go for a sleepover or something with their cousins or like, um, yeah, they're really good like that. And I think that's probably just how we've been raising them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. I'm going to ask you a question now that wasn't on the list. So yeah. I'll give you some time to think about it if I... Okay. <laughs> Um, I just, just as we've been talking, I just wondered what in your experience with your coaching, what is like the biggest um, issue or the biggest, yeah, I guess it's an issue mm. that's, that stops mums from creating or holds them back from creating? Um, I would say, I think initially everyone thinks that it's time or it's energy um that they don't have enough time as a mom or time poor um or we're tired you know we're exhausted surely I can't take on something else like but that's not what art's about like mm. or creativity I should say because when I say creativity I'm talking like the moms I help can be anyone from you know um just like the moms you interview from singers and musicians to writers to artists um so yeah, I think 
we think that we're kind of time poor and we don't have time to take this on, but um, yeah, it's actually adding to you. It's not like something that is meant to be more work. It's meant mm. to be enjoyable and a break and um, then it fills your cup and gives back to you, um, to your mothering. So um, yeah, I would say that's probably a big one, but that's what I kind of work through them with their thoughts is that, you know, we use um, time kind of as like an excuse, mm. um, but is it really time or is it actually something deeper than that? So we kind of work on that deeper level of what's really, what, what are you really thinking in your head? What's really, what's the fear there that's kind of holding you back from, from doing this, you know, whether it's creating your art or it's sharing your art, you know, um, yeah, are you doing things like procrastinating or are you being a perfectionist about it? Like, so yeah. it's more that sort of, um, yeah, thought work than, yeah, any of do those kind of surface level excuses. Yeah. Do you find people feel, and I'm just saying this from the, um, the feedback I've had when I've chatted to other mums, mm. does, does some of them feel like what they're doing will be judged as being a bit of fluffing around and not that important so it's like what are you doing that for sort of thing is that yeah does that come into it a bit I yeah that definitely comes into it I think um yeah that's just I yeah you're always going to have I think people around you who have their own thoughts about art and that's you know might come from society's value of art um but yeah everyone's got their own thoughts and and values and so you just have to kind of think that's fine that's your thoughts but that they're not mine and I'm not going to take that on I'm not going to kind of let that affect me but it is hard because that can be someone like um, your partner or it can be like a parent or something like that so somebody who you really want for support or you really think are your support team can actually be um, kind of not the people you should go to to get mm. to seek support from for this sort of thing so yeah I think again just being conscious and knowing like yeah being aware of what's kind of around you and being selective as to what you take on and what are your own values and what are your own thoughts and mm. yeah and running with those and not sort of letting um letting um yeah other thoughts kind of influence you yeah. Yeah, and I guess then being sort of, like you said, the people that perhaps you shouldn't go to for this sort of stuff, yeah. like seeking out those people that are your tribe, I suppose. Yeah. I hate using exactly. that word, but you know what I mean? The people yeah. that are on the same page that yeah. will support you and give you yeah. um, the confidence that you might be needing. Exactly. So my girlfriend is definitely like someone I would go to um, who supported me when I was with my first child. I would go to her for you know, a bit of a boost or some feedback. Um, but I have made a Facebook group for this because I've found that this is something that's kind of missing is like that community support of other like-minded um, women. So we can, you know, in there, we can um, encourage each other or ask for feedback or, you know, um, mm -hmm just talk about different topics or struggles that we're kind of going through or even sharing just um, our motherhood challenges that are happening. So it's really mm. niche, niche kind of like yeah. what we're dealing with. 
Um, it, yeah. it is really specific that other people can't kind of um, relate to. So there's, yeah. there's certain aspects that people do and that's great. Um, I'm glad that kind of helps, but yeah, it is, it is quite specific what we need, need that community, that network for. So yeah, I've got um, a Facebook page called Creative Village. So it's like, you know, your motherhood village, but creatively. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a village. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes for, to that oh, for anybody that's, that's keen. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that are. Thank you. And I'll certainly be checking it out. That's, yeah, that's cool. really good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you were talking before about this, like, you know, it might be your partner or your, your parents or maybe your parents-in-law that yep. don't see the value. I, I just want to reflect yeah. on, there was an experience with a mum that I interviewed, mm-hmm. I think last season, who's um, the parents-in-law were babysitting the door. There was like the, oh, how do I describe it? There were, mm-hmm. because she's the daughter-in-law, right? So she's not yeah. like number one. So the yeah. daughter was getting the child babysat by these grandparents because she yeah. was going to work. Yeah. But then the grandparents didn't want to babysit the yeah. other child because the mum was just making her art. Yeah. And it was right. like they didn't they didn't see value in that at all. And yeah. that's like, yeah. oh, it just makes you just so cross, you know, that yeah. I know everybody's different and I shouldn't judge people, but it's hard not to see like how devalued that that mum would feel yeah you know by that one person saying oh well no what you're doing isn't worthy enough it's not real work yeah that's just like demoralizing so having people around you that can go nah that's a load of crap and and support you yeah so important yeah that is really that's really tough because it would that would have an impact on you and you would probably question you know well, is this a waste of time or something like that? Like you, mm. you would get all these thoughts coming to, to you about like that are coming from them, you know? So um, yeah, I think just being really strong on what you value and what's important to you, what you need is so, yeah. is, is so important. And then, yeah, finding the right people around you that can kind of support you. when I the last um art exhibition I entered it was a still life show um a still life prize I ended up painting like I just paint around the house so I just painted on my back um entertaining table like my dining table outdoor dining table it was beautiful it was like sunny we we, yeah we were really lucky with the weather and um the kids just want to get involved. And I've talked to other artist moms who they've got like a studio in their home and that sort of thing. And they say the kids come in and out like all the time. And that's so beautiful too, for, for, you know, the kids to grow up in the studio and to be around that um, creativity and value that growing up. Like, Mm. yeah, I think there is a bit of a, a balance there between like having your own space to focus and stuff. Certain work requires that 
like this, for example, <laughs> this with the kids in the background. Um, but like, yeah, if you can involve them and have them working beside you, like some, there's an artist that I follow. Oh, I can't remember her name now. Um, she gets her, she's quite famous in Australia and she um, gets her daughter to work on her paintings like yeah, right. and they're in galleries and everything oh, like, wow. and they're beautiful and it's so and I think more of that needs to kind of happen with mm. um yeah with with artist moms that just it just adds that layer into like artist moms work that yeah for sure yeah you know yeah. I think that's oh, I think that's so cool I, I would love to do that at one point if I can get my boys involved in my work. <laughs> that would be amazing. Hopefully. Oh, Hopefully. I'm just trying to see if I've got it. Um, I can't see where it is now, but I did. A, I'm not, I like to paint just to fluff around because yeah. my, main, my main thing's singing and writing music and yeah. stuff, but I love, I love fluffing around with brushes yeah. and stuff. It's, I just feel really nice when I'm flowing oh, my arms around. Awesome. Um, so I did this this like it's all abstract mostly a few water watercolor I'm getting better at making flowers but it's yeah it's practice my gosh it's practice and I yeah just, yeah I don't have the patience for it but yeah <laughs> I, I did these big abstract bits and bobs and then I gave it to my six-year-old and said and gave him um my pastels and said here you go you finish this off and I look at it and oh. it's like I would never have thought to do what he's done like it's so cool yeah. the way kids look at their yeah. creativity and yeah. it wasn't like he'd even I think I can't remember how he described it but like it was his idea of whatever this thing was he tried to represent it so he's gone I'm going to draw this thing and, and he's tried to draw it but to me it just looks like amazing marks on the page it just looks so cool wow. I'm like Digby that looks that looks like a proper art now yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your out of touch. <laughs> yeah, it's like I couldn't have done that because I'm. Yeah. I think a lot of my create my art stuff is like I've got to get it to look the way I want it to look, yeah. and because yeah. I can't do that because I don't have yeah. the skills, yeah, um, I just end up getting frustrated by things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I'm digressing. talk a bit more about your own art that you create and your photography yes. and such yes what sort of things influence your work well I'd say like when I first started I was I would say I was more influenced by making art that people would buy I think mm -hmm. that's a big thing um artists kind of deal with is like making yeah stuff to sell or just expressing themselves and working and I would say like if I was in if I had more <laughs> yeah if I had more time which <laughs> is kind of funny but um like because I do the coaching and I do um, my art making my art making is really like a I wouldn't even say part-time like it's like quarter time because I've got um you know, parenting and then my coaching. And so mm -hmm. anyway, um, if I was like a full-time artist and I wanted to do that full-time, like I would 
think that I would be in a studio for a long time and I would be, you know, just spitting out artwork that I wanted to express and how I was feeling and that sort of thing. But when mm. I'm making for exhibitions, there's usually like a theme I'm working with or, um, yeah, like, or in the beginning, I was thinking a lot about what would people want on their walls. So I was making things more about, and I used to be really into, because I grew up in Canada and then I moved to Australia, I was really interested in landscapes and that kind of like the um, juxtaposition of the two. Mm. Um, and yeah, that I just really love both, even though they're so different. Yep. So I did a lot of landscape stuff. Um, but now I would say that the most recent show I did, the Still Life Prize, it was all about motherhood. And I'm really interested in starting to, yeah, really, I obviously value that so much. It's such an important part to me. Mm -hmm. It's really like the most important thing in my life that's happened to me is what I've gone through and becoming a mom. So I really want to express that more and just, yeah, it's just not... In society, it's just not um, spoken about enough, and it's there's not enough awareness about what what happens. So, I think using art as a medium to express that is awesome. So, mm. that's probably what I'll be doing more of um, the next pieces I do. Yep. Yeah, will be more about motherhood, and hopefully, I can get to a place where I start to you know work through. I get to express like my experience of my motherhood like the trauma from my first birth and yeah. the complications that I've gone through with my second son so um yeah we'll see how it goes feel really um helpless and you know how as a mom at home with my kids can I help like what's going on in the world but really that work is so important like we wouldn't have you know a Putin out there right now if maybe you know there was a different um upbringing that's, or that's an incredible you know, way of looking at it so isn't it's it? so important our work is really valuable really important and you know, doing that work of whatever you, whatever way you parent, your parenting style, but mine's probably more like gentle parenting. So um, yeah, all that work you put in um, as a mom with your kids is you're bringing the future, you know, generation of people into this world. And yeah. that's really, really important. <laughs> and um, creativity, like maybe yeah. Putin did a bit of art like growing up maybe I bet well, he was stifled angry now I bet you he wasn't even allowed to get out figure <laughs> paints or anything she was like nah you're not doing it yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
So this is Charlotte Condy, who was one of my guests um, yeah. in season two. And she said, as mothers, we're asked to raise human beings and also contribute to society as if those two things were different. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. yes, it's like what we're actually doing is contributing massive thing on its own. <laughs> Oh, but now you have to now you have to contribute to society it's like but yeah. we are <laughs> yeah yeah uh, seriously oh, motherhood just just yeah there's just this yeah this there's no clear idea about what it is or what it what it does or anything and um yeah I think there's such a a different perspective like before you become a mom on what it's going to be like and what to expect mm -hmm. and you know yeah. and you just think like that's why my husband and I were in such a shock when we had our our first because no one told us that that was gonna you know be a possibility or like mm. um yeah that we were gonna have a tough year or anything like that like we thought you know we're gonna have this beautiful baby and then bring him home and we're just gonna cuddle him and it's gonna be wonderful <laughs> yeah, yeah you know screaming and like sleepless nights and yeah so yeah that, that's it sounds very similar to my story it took me uh, seven, seven years to have my second because uh, the first one was just like what the heavens yeah. is going on here? and yeah. just yeah and that's the thing like I feel like people they try to give you an idea of what it's going to be like yeah. based on their experience but you're not even in that headspace to even understand yeah. what they mean like when they say you're not going to get sleep you go oh that's nice like whatever yeah. you don't actually realize that that's what they mean like you're yeah. not gonna get sleep. yeah totally oh, and I remember reading a book and it said about these particular type different types of babies like angel babies or um, grumpy babies or whatever and I'm like my baby's gonna be perfect I don't even need to read this like it was just complete <laughs> denial complete denial. <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. gosh it's hilarious yeah and there's just this like you know, idea from society that moms just stay home and they live such good life because they're just at home and like they just are watching soap operas all day and have their feet up and it's yeah. like so easy and the kids are easy and it's like, yeah, you have no idea. No idea. No, <laughs> no idea. at all. to talk a bit more about your first birth with the trauma involved yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty open book I'll yeah, talk cool. about anything really. basically like I had a similar experience I mm -hmm. mean I'm not saying similar because I don't know what you're about to say but yeah. with my second birth yeah the first birth was first one I got induced because I had really high Everything. blood pressure yeah so okay he come out in an hour and a half and it was horrific oh. because they didn't have time to do pain relief and that was the thing, like when you have your first, everyone says, oh, it'll take 12 to 14 hours, Yeah. blah, 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 blah. And even the doctor, when he came in and administered the drug to and broke my waters, he said, I'll see, I'll see you in, you know, I'll see you in 12 to 14 hours. He was joking. Oh. And then when I was laying there and I felt like, I felt like I needed to do a poo, but basically I felt like I needed to push. Yeah. And I told them, I said, I need to push. And they said, they looked at me like I was an idiot. And I was like, I feel like there's a bowling ball coming out of my bum. Like it just, yeah. that's the only way I could describe it. And they raced to get this doctor and he come up and he was like, surely not. Like, again, like I was an idiot. 
and did a check on me. Yeah, and it was your first baby. It was so my first really baby. Surprising. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. So he he did a check and he could feel hair, and it was like you, you're literally about to. Oh this God. baby's coming out of you, and it was horrible. It was horrible. And then with my second, um, I said straight up, I need an epidural because yeah. if he comes, this one comes really quick. I need yeah. to be prepared because obviously last one was too late. Yeah. Um, and because he he was very tiny, he was only four pound fourteen when he was born. Because mm-hmm. um, he'd they, I don't know how, but between I had shared care between my. Um, a midwife at the clinic and then the actual doctor Mm -hmm. so between the two of them they'd somehow missed that his growth had sort of plateaued at about 34 weeks they hadn't picked that up so it wasn't till yeah nine days before he was due he the doctor did this scan he goes your baby stopped growing and I was like I I I don't know I had this feeling I didn't have this beautiful big round bump I had like a lopsided weird bump and Mm -hmm. it basically all the amniotic fluid had gone and he'd stopped growing because my placenta had the blood supply was not working properly so all of a sudden it's like we have to get this baby out yeah I didn't do it that day thank goodness um it was like two days later yeah and we just had the worst experience like right from the start we got to the hospital we had this horrible midwife who told us we were late and it was like mm-hmm. we got we got told to be there at a certain time. We were like five minutes late because mm-hmm. we couldn't get in through the, that door of the hospital. Yeah. And then just thing after thing after thing went wrong. He came, they did the epidural and the epidural was too, he'd done it too high. Yeah. So my lungs were starting to stop working. Like oh oh, my, my breathing gosh. was compromised. Then um, he broke the waters. There was nothing there. Yeah. Um, then what did they do? It was just. My husband, I think, is still traumatized by watching yeah, it happen. Yeah. Um, so then they they had to tilt me sideways to let the to move the um, oh, the epidural stuff somehow. They tilted me sideways because I could feel one leg but not the other. Um, oh and it was just thing after thing after thing. And eventually, when it came time to push, like not not even push, the um, contraction started, and his his heart rate was going down, but it wasn't coming back up. So they were like, well, it's okay that it goes down, but it needs to come back up, like, or else it shows he's in, in stress. Mm. And basically they said to me, we've got to get this baby out. And I was like, right. And they're like, well, we've got to go have a cesarean. So we went to do that. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, this would be great. We'll get this over with. But then when I, they were doing it, I, could, I couldn't feel, like I thought I'd be numb, like completely yeah. numb, and I wouldn't even know what they were doing down there. But I could yeah. feel stuff. So then I started to get all panicky because oh. I could, and I was, it, it was horrible. My midwife went and stood over by the wall and just basically abandoned us. And thank God there was oh this gosh. beautiful um, theatre nurse who came over and she was like stroking my head like, it's okay, this is what's happening, this is what's happening next, whatever. She just took charge. And then eventually he come out and, you know, he was, he's fine. He just was very small. He just didn't have any fat on him. So his lungs were developed, like everything was fine. Yeah. And then, and then the midwife, oh my God, on the way back to the, to the room, she asked what we we're going to name him and his name's Digby. And she yeah. goes, oh, I, I know a friend with a dog called Digby. And I was oh like, oh my God, are you really doing this to me after oh everything you've done to me? Now you're doing this. And then, sorry, I'm really going on about it now. You no, no, go for it. <laughs> Obviously need to work through this today. <laughs> hmm, um, good. We got back to the room and they decided he needed to be in this 
like the box thing because he couldn't keep his temperature up by himself. Mm. And then they said, the, the specialist pediatric doctor come over and she asked me if I'd been drinking and smoking when I, when I was pregnant. And I was just like, I just burst into tears. I was like, oh, I wouldn't do that to my child. Like, I, and she goes, I'm sorry, we have to ask because he's so small. And I said, well, I overheard the theater people say my placenta was gray and grainy. And she goes, oh, that explains it then. But then didn't oh, tell me what that oh, meant. Like no one was telling me what was going on. Uh, and then, then the next thing was, I didn't move all night because basically I think I was in shock and I couldn't move. My body was just in that same position I came back from theatre in. They sat me up for something and they discovered that the epidural thing was still in my bag. And it was like, seriously? What else could you guys do to me? When is this hell going to end? It was just one thing after another. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And in the end, he the, the baby Digby stayed there for like two weeks and I ended up going home and just coming to visit him like through the yeah. day and then go home at night because I just couldn't bear to be there it was like oh you must have hated horrific. going back in there like you just would want to take him out of there I know it was hard. It has to be as quick as possible that yeah. you can get him home and get out of that place uh, it was horrible and I felt and then yeah. I felt really guilty for leaving him there oh. every night saying goodbye and then rushing home trying to get as much sleep as I could pumping in the middle of the night because they'd message me oh. when he was when they were feeding him so then I was like, right, I better pump now. It was just like it was hell. Wow. But anyway, and you, a, and you had a and you had another child to take care of as well. Yeah. He was he was good though because he was he was seven, so he basically had to learn how to make his school lunch. He had to learn how to do so yeah. many things like that. Like was like, sorry, yeah. Alex, we can't do this. You have to do it. Like it was yeah. just, he had to grow oh, up so man. quick. The poor little bugger. But yeah. So anyway, I've just, I've just. That taken- is awful. <laughs> That's horrendous. I had like, I had similar things kind of happen in there, but yeah, yeah. some of the stuff that happened to you is just, and that, that was it. Like that, what my OB said to me in my first birth was, it was re- you were really unlucky. Like everything that kept happening to you, and I was like, yeah, it just kept all happening to me. And and he said, like, if it could have gone, you know, if you got to one thing, like say an induction, like it could have gone good or bad, it went bad. Then you went yeah. to the next thing, could have gone good or bad, it went bad. Like everything just failed the whole way through, and it was just yeah. he was like, you were just really unlucky. And I was like, was I? <laughs> like my husband's really like, would this have happened if we were in, you know? with a different team or in a different environment or whatever you know Mm. um yeah and you just don't know I think just this stuff happens you know in life and I think the best thing you can do is try to work through it like the more you talk about it and just Mm. really figure it out because I did that after mine I was like I literally called it a puzzle like I was trying to piece together what the heck had just happened to me and figure out everything that went on because I actually was in so much pain I lost my vision so I have like yeah so I just I think like for months afterwards I just told people in front of my husband that like I got to a certain point and then I just closed my eyes and I just bared through it and I just could hear everything but I couldn't see and he was like he ended up telling me like two months later he's like your eyes were open like the whole time and I was like oh my god like I've lost like my vision like recollection of it or my body must have just shut that part down or something just to try and survive the pain I was in but yeah I think the best thing you can do is just like 
um, you've got to debrief and like talk through it and, um, and then just try and grow from it and figure out like, how did, yeah, how did it kind of make you stronger or what did you learn from that? You know, like for me, like I, everything I've gone through with my kids before I was really probably, I didn't trust my instincts too much. I didn't know what to do. I relied heavily on other people around me for advice, you know? Um, and now I feel like I am my son's, like my little son's, um, like best advocate. I know more about him than any doctor. I pretty much tell them what he needs. I don't do anything they advise me to do unless like I feel like it's necessary. Like, so I feel like a really confident mom now um, to who yeah. I used to be because yeah, like in the beginning, you know, you got this newborn and you're like, I don't like, when do I feed it? What do I do? Like, <laughs> do I rock it? Do I pat it? Like, how, how do I, you know, mm -hmm. deal with this? Like, what do I, what do I give him? Like, yeah. so yeah, now I feel, um, I feel more like I can, I can listen to my, my instincts more and mm -hmm. trust them. So, but yeah, my birth was, um, my waters partially broke in the night on like a Sunday. And then we called the hospital. They said to come in. Um, and the nurse that was on, she ended up checking if they had broken. And cause I just had like wet shorts in bed, but then that was it. No, nothing else. Um, and I was like 41 and one or something. Like I was oh, over, yeah. way overdue and I had a, big baby like yep. uh, he ended up being what was he he was like close to four kilos that's about eight pounds eight ounces and I'm like five foot four like I'm not a big person <laughs> anyway and um and when she went to check she ended up um scraping or cutting me and I had I've had bleeding and I had this like beautiful pregnancy before this and then this was like the start of the horror that I like went through yeah. was she had done that and my husband's not good with blood in hospitals and he was just like why is like was that meant to happen like what's going on like this is like mm. he was really concerned already yeah and then they basically said like you have to go home um nothing's happening we I can't tell oh yeah and she was like I can't tell because now I've like there's there's blood and I can't I can't and I was like well thanks for that like you've just started this off on a great note like everything was fine I was healthy and everything and then um and then so we ended up going home and then like um I think I came in the next day to see my obstetrician or something and he sent me over to the hospital to get monitored and um, I ended up just standing in the waiting room and like no one could help me. No one was seeing me. I was in pain. I had really bad um, back labor in my birth. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, they couldn't even give me a hot water bottle because they were all used in the rooms and stuff. And I was just really uncomfortable. And I said, I called the, the OB and said, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, can I just go home? This is, I'm not getting any treatment here or anything. And so he said, yeah, um, you can go. And then they ended up calling me and saying, oh, um, you're GBS positive. So we like legally in New South Wales, we have to induce you within 24 hours of your water breaking. And like, mm. we think they've partially broken and you need to get in here in the next hour and we need to induce you. And I was like, oh. 
so now you want me there like I'm there and you're sending me away like I've been in this place now so then I went in and then um and then they induced me but mine took a long time and my OB said um it was like night I think it was nine o'clock when they induced me so he said same thing like I'll see you in the morning uh, yeah. for a birth yeah um but I said do I do what do I do like do I do an epidural like I, don't, I really don't know what to do and again I was very much like looking for other people's advice like not listening to my body or anything like that and just going by the professionals and trusting that they have done this a million times and so anyway he said well um I would take an epidural and get some sleep because you're you're gonna need some rest so I took the epidural and then um I think, yeah, anyway, in the morning I started um, like having contractions and um, started going into labor. And I think that was at like 6 a.m. And, um, oh, and in the night my epidural had worn off or something like that. And so I said to them, oh, like that was so, so painful. Like, cause it takes them a while to come in and top it up or whatever. So I said, yeah. can you just, um, um, when it, when it started in the morning, I was like, can you just make sure like it doesn't go low again like that? Because, um, that was, I was in so much pain there, like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, so they talked it up like really high or something. And then, um, I went into, I was pushing and then, um, he was stuck. He was in the wrong position. He was like sideways kind of. Mm. And anyway, and then, um, I ended up being in like I would push and then when I'd rest I'd just endure like back labor I'd turn to my oh. side and just be like it it got to the point I just felt like someone had broken my back like it was I was in so much pain yeah and I couldn't and I just kept saying to them I need a top off of this epidural like I can feel like I'm in so much pain and they were really perplexed by it and thought you know you shouldn't be in any pain with the epidural and anyway and then um he got right to the end like they could see his hair and everything and mm -hmm. then um they said um he should be further along by now you know you've been pushing for a while and he hasn't been able to get any further out and so they sent they said like we're going to do an emergency caesar i said yeah it's fine just like get him out i'm just in so much pain right now yeah and then they went into the operating room and the ob said um i just want to try a vacuum because he's right there and i think i could if i twist him a little bit i think i could pull him out and anyway the midwife the head midwife was arguing saying don't do that like that's not going to work and so anyway he did it and pop like this it came off and he got this huge hematoma on his head oh yeah poor little guy and then um and then they said we're going to do a caesar and then same thing they went to do like test if i was numb and i was like i can feel everything like i can feel all of that yeah and they were like oh my gosh i think your epidural's fallen out like i think it oh. failed Oh, so that God. explained why I was in so much pain. Yeah. And then, um, and then they, uh, they said, we're going to have to give you a general, we're going to have to knock you out. Oh. So I said, whatever, I don't care. Just knock me out. By this point, my husband was so traumatized and like, so concerned. And 
Um, so they sent him out by himself, sat him oh. in a room all by himself. <laughs> and oh. then they um, knocked me out and they pulled out my son and um, he went limp and blue and they had to resuscitate him and CPR and everything because he had the trauma from the from the vacuum and then he had a bit of the general so he wasn't in a good way so he was in the NICU for five five days I think or maybe a week we were in the hospital together but luckily I could stay on the ward because I was in the public and I was a private patient so I was paying um so yeah they kept me they kept me on the ward and um let me feed him and all that stuff in the hospital but yeah it was just awful it was horrible but that whole week in the hospital I like just wanted to kind of yeah figure everything out get out of there and like Mm. yeah it's just not nice yeah yeah. not fair kind of and no one else like around me had anything like that so I was just mm-hmm. like why yeah. me like yeah. yeah for a long time I think we went through that like you know the whole why did this happen to us kind of thing but yeah. and then a year later I think um I kept going I kept going um uh I kept going like when I went back to school I kept coming on school break and I was having like a real struggle mm-hmm. and I didn't know why I was kind of having these outbursts and lashes out to my husband when it was a time when I should be so relaxed and mm-hmm. feel so good and I was like actually not coping in the in the break time when I was like I want to do all this stuff but I can't do anything and I'm really struggling and and then um I went and saw my GP and they ended up diagnosing me with PTSD at like a year later when mm-hmm. I finally could kind of deal with it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's um, that PTSD. That's something they diagnosed me with too. And it's interesting yeah. that um, I don't think I realized at the time how, what how bad it had been for me. Like, I don't think I, I just thought, Oh, I similar thing. Oh, I've been really unlucky stuff happens no one else around me had the same thing um and it wasn't until I was I think I was on Facebook or Instagram one day and they were talking about birth trauma and like recognizing an actual Mm. it's an actual thing birth trauma is a thing and yeah they were talking about there needs to be more said about it and more support and I was like I think that's me I think that happened to me like it's just there's no there's no I don't know when you're in the hospital it's basically once you've had that baby all the support goes to the baby. Like everything's about the baby. And it's like, hang on a sec. I've just literally had my guts ripped open um, with very little preparation and under really, you know, stressful circumstances. And then I'm expected to look after this child. Like it just seems there's no care for the mothers that have been through that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it took me a long time to realize that I was one of those people. And then I've done a lot of work with my therapist to sort of go through things and, yeah it's well done mm, yeah that's so important I think you've you've got to go through it and everything or else yeah you just kind of hold on to it and then you know you don't you kind of fall apart um later in life so yeah yeah Yeah. oh (laughs) so I'm healthy to keep all that in and that's a really horrible thing to keep in you know that's huge Mm. that's not just like you know something minor that's happened that's really big and I think yeah everyone just thinks 
going into having a baby is, you know, this natural thing that we are all made to be able to do and stuff. And mm. actually, you know, sometimes it's, it's major surgery in someone's life. Like, yeah, that's not a, a normal thing. Yeah. Cause you don't sort of plan like, you know, you and I having the C-sections, it's like, mm-hmm. you can't drive for a certain amount of time afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, think that that's going to happen to you don't sort of plan beforehand right who's going to take me around or whatever because you just don't think that that's going to happen that in itself is like really limiting because then you have to ask people yeah really vulnerable that oh I can't even go down the shops I've got to ask someone to do it for me it took me a long time was learning how to ask for help because Mm -hmm. you know and I still work on that and stuff but Mm. yeah like that that's a huge part of motherhood is you you literally can't do it yourself. So you have to learn that skill of asking for help. And you've gone from being this independent adult who doesn't really require anybody else's help, you know, Mm. to suddenly you have to be really vulnerable and put yourself out there and ask for it. Yeah. To, to to be able to do what you do. Yeah. That's a big one. I think for a lot of mums was was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing for sharing that. Um, yeah, no problem. You know, your story. It's yeah. It's it's beneficial to talk about things. I think it's like. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Yeah, and just yeah. the more we kind of communicate and like put stuff out there, the more people become aware, you know, and and um, it's not or and people can relate and be like, oh, I'm not like the odd one out. Mm. Like what happened to you actually is very similar to, you know, a lot of it has similarities to what happened to me. And yeah. I went into my birth being like, like, I'm pretty sure my husband and I toured the um, hospital and we went through the NICU and we were like, I looked at him and I was like, we won't be in here. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we were in there for a week. Like <laughs> we were definitely in there. So, but yeah. And when we were in there, like we are, son was nicknamed the basketball player because he was so huge he was long and big and there was all these preemie babies and that's what you think when you think of the NICU is like it's just preemie babies and stuff in there you know but um it can be all sorts of reasons why you end up in there so Mm. yeah Yeah. that's really true isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I need to shake myself down. Oh I know. That's it, exactly. Yeah, I've done all sorts of things. So like I've just recently done a, um, yeah, I've done so much like different stuff and kind of trying to work on myself and self-care to, to take care, take care of ourselves. And um, yeah, I recently did like a retreat, a women's retreat um, down the South coast here. And um, yeah, we did all sorts of stuff like that. Like after you kind of tell your story or whatever you do, like an experience, like a cacao ceremony or like shamanic breath work and stuff. And then afterwards it's kind of like, okay, like we've gone through all that, shake it all out of your, uh, out of your body. And it's like, yeah, all that stuff is like really important. It really helps. So Mm. just lighten the load. Like every time you kind of talk about it and that sort of thing, it just gets a little bit lighter. So yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like I, I mean, I used to be 
you know, talking about all this stuff and be in tears talking about it. Like I could barely even talk about it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It's just so painful and you feel so, such a victim. Whereas now mm -hmm. I'm like, this is something that's happened, but I've worked through it. I've moved through it. And this is where I'm at now. And like, I would never be where I am if I hadn't have gone through all that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. trying to see it as like somewhat as, as a blessing that it's like improved your life, you know, instead of yeah, in this horrible thing. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Trying to see the positives and and learn, I guess, what what your lesson was, like yeah. what you had to what you had to learn through yeah. that experience. And I that's suppose. like, yeah. you know, it was like COVID. We've all gone through that, and mm -hmm. like, what you know, there's probably some people who are still in a in kind of like a victim state, saying, you know, that was a horrible time in my life, and like, I'll always you know, that's really affected me. Or there's people who are like, I learned so much from that experience. Mm. Like I now know what's really important to me. Like I know what I want to yeah. do. I actually changed my whole career. Like I did this, I did that, like going through it, you know, and, yeah. and it's not just COVID that happened. Like people had lots of horrible things happen because of COVID in there, you know, but they've mm -hmm. become more resilient from it. So yeah. I think that's really important, really important to do. Yeah, that's, that's so true. anything coming up that you want to share um you've talked about your your art for bales um mm -hmm. by the time this episode comes out that would have happened but I'm definitely going to share that what have I got coming up so um I'll be having like if for people who are local I'll be having um I want to try and make them monthly but I've just collaborated with um, a gin bar in town who Ooh, I'm nice. going to hold my art workshops at called yeah. Juniper. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be, yeah, I'll have an art workshop there next month in April. Mm -hmm. um, I've got my online community. This is kind of like my goal for this year that I'm doing my art workshops um, to help mums get out of, out of the home and, and women in general. Mm -hmm. And then um, yeah, the online community to connect and have that support. And then um, the coaching. So my coaching is, um, it's like ongoing. Anybody can, can sign up, but um, it's for a six month period. Mm -hmm. So anything less than that, just, you know, it's not enough time to sort of make some change and see some real results. So um, yeah, I commit to, one hour every week for six months mm -hmm. um and art wise um I've got I've applied for um an exhibition actually in New York with my um recent painting so it's an artist mother exhibition yeah um, but yeah I really keep my eye out for those sort of um artist mother um, kind of opportunities flying around there's a there's a couple coming up so I might apply for a couple others um, but there's also my son's chromosome disorder um, there is an an art competition 
for like rare disease art. So I think I really want to make something for that this year. That's in the middle of the year. I think it's like August or something, or maybe might actually be July. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that's gonna be an opportunity for me to sort of delve into that side of expression and mm -hmm. trying to represent visually like my experience of you know having a son with a rare disease and raising a child with disabilities um yeah, yeah and I don't know what I'm going to create but we'll see how that goes but I do really want to do that because um yeah it's something really personal to me mm. important yeah no good on you That's yeah really cool. thanks thanks Thank you so much for coming on Andrew it's just been a lovely chat today and thank you for sharing so honestly yeah of course thank you for having me and um chatting with me with all your honesty as well it's been <laughs> wonderful <laughs> thanks for your company today if you've enjoyed this episode I'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.